Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at thegala417.com. We're all looking to make more sustainable choices, but making your own shoes out of natural materials could pose a few challenges. The twigs and leaves in your backyard aren't exactly comfortable, and while mud does perfectly contour the feet, it doesn't score high on the durability front. But thanks to Allbirds, you can skip all the backyard experimentation. At the Allbirds Innovation Lab, they're doing all the sciencey stuff, like research and testing to create shoes from natural, sustainable materials. And their innovative processes mean using less of the bad stuff and more of the good, while making shoes unlike any other. Like the Plant Pacer, made with 100% plastic-free plant leather. The Tree Dasher, a running shoe made from eucalyptus tree fiber. And from Sugarcane, they've made the Super Light, their lightest shoe ever by weight and carbon footprint. It's not rocket science, it's shoe science. Allbirds is making shoes better than natural. They're supernatural. Find your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm Deborah Hartswell, and you're tuned into BBR Cryptid and Paranormal Investigations. Thank you for joining me, and I really appreciate you tuning in. I hope you are well and enjoying your day. A snarling, growling thing inside the house. And unseen stalkers. What do you think would be the most horrifying? Seeing what's stalking you, just hearing it. It's one thing to see what predators after you, whether that be beast or being of some kind, but to be herded by something unseen that walks as you walk and stops when you stop, or shadows you until you leave the wood, is something else indeed. You can hear its growls, its snarls and footfalls. You hear the brush move as it approaches and sometimes retreats, only to approach again. What does that feel like? And what if you're at home, tucked up in bed, or on the sofa relaxing, and you hear a growl from close to the window, or even worse, inside the very room you're in? What would you do? Tonight's personal encounters include people who have been through these very situations and somehow made it out the other side. At home, we had something my children called a goblin every now and again from just one corner of one room in the house. We'd hear a snarling growl and it was tricky, whatever it was. It'd only do it when people were alone, never when we're together as a group. That corner was also never warm, and no amount of sh- sage shifted it. I never found out what or why it was, as I moved several years ago. And yes, the growling followed us here. It's still the same low, throaty growl that comes when you're at your most relaxed or distracted. I've also heard the same kind of snarling growl in the woodlands. And I'm certain there will be other people out there who will identify with these accounts. A strange growling creature that remains unseen. 
I just want to get in touch and let you know of a really interesting incident my mum told me about when I recently visited her. My mum lives near Leeds in Eden and where she lives is next to a number of fields. There's a large wood which I think ties in well with what she's told me. She explained one night, it was after 1am, she got up from bed, she went to the toilet and while she was in there she heard a really deep and menacing growl and it was coming from outside the house. She also heard the sounds of something walking up her driveway. Her mum said she's never heard anything like this before and she said it couldn't have been any known creature that lives naturally in the UK countryside as the growl was far too deep and menacing. It stood out as strange and she could not put a name to the animal that made the growl. Needless to say, this scared the living daylights out of her and put her on edge for the rest of the night. Luckily, the night passed without further incident, but it was a fascinating account as I have no idea what type of creature would have made a noise like this. Now, this account happened within the last few months, but this is where it gets kind of interesting. When her husband was alive, my stepfather, they were having dinner one evening, and all of a sudden, they heard a faint growl, which sounded like it either came from within the house itself or just outside the window. Not the same menacing growl Mum heard, this was different. This growl spooked them both out, and they had no idea what could have caused it. I'm also very interested in the paranormal, and especially everything Dogman related. So I'm wondering if what my mother heard that night was possibly a Dogman. We just have no idea what else would have caused a growl like that. Grant. Now this account is not too far away from an account from a lady named Deborah Singleton. And she had a terrible feeling come over her when she was driving home one night. Um, and she knew that she was going to see something awful on the road, and she did. And she described it as a crouching creature. She couldn't really say much more than that. But it filled her with absolute dread. Um, and to be honest, on her local visit to the area, I did not like the feel of it at all. Um, and didn't stay around <clears throat> for long. We just passed it in the car. Now, down in Woodbury Common, there was a blood-curdling, snarling, growling thing that was hurt. And also see. Now, I'm, the lady says, I'm not sure how to describe a recent experience which happened to both my partner and I here at home. I sort of find it hard to talk about as I still cannot explain it easily or make sense of it. I don't know what it was or how we heard it, but we did. And that's something I'm still struggling with. I have since being a young girl been very sensitive to spirit. Now that normally happens when I'm alone, but this was even more terrifying as someone experienced it with me so I couldn't explain it away as I usually would. My partner didn't see it, but he heard the sound of whatever it was. It was only me that saw it and I really wish I hadn't. I was relaxing at home and playing Candy Crush on my phone and my partner was on his laptop. We heard a huge thud land outside the lounge door, which is situated at the back of my house. My house is an end terrace with a huge gate and fence that surrounds it. My cats jump it no problem, and you get used to hearing them going back and forth. 
But this time, the noise was as if a huge, obese, muscular human had just jumped the fence. And we also heard the garden gravel crunch with an almighty force directly at the door. It was about 12.30 at night and it was pitch black outside. We both still described to each other what happened that night. And even now, that intense feeling of frozen fear washes over you when you speak about it. So we're sitting there looking at each other and we've heard something huge bolt over our high fence with ease, I should say, and land across the garden outside the back door. All was silent for a second, possibly a minute. I have no idea really as time just seemed to stand still. And then we heard the most terrifying sound that both of us have ever heard. We heard what I can only describe as a blood-curdling, snarling, growling that was so loud it overpowered the volume of the television we had on. It was almost like you could hear it salivating out there. Eventually, we snapped out of fear and my partner said to me, quick, shut the door and lock it, as he thought it was maybe a rabid dog or a fox. Without even thinking it really should be him to shut the door, I just jumped up and bloody did it without realising. I have no concept of time. We just had a spun out discussion which resulted in the decision to try not to talk about the incident for a moment and just try and catch our breaths. So with the door firmly shut and locked, I went upstairs to my toilet, which is situated on the other side of the house from the eight foot fence. I didn't even manage to sit myself on the toilet when the overwhelming snarl and growl came with very little force this time in the breath, as if it was being quiet or it was out of breath maybe. I'm sorry, I still have no accurate sound that's similar to what I heard that night that would make it easy to explain. I screamed for my partner whilst trying to pull my trousers up and before he reached the toilet, I curiously looked out of the bathroom window at the side of my house to have a peek at what was out there and I wish I never had. This is the part I will never accurately be able to describe. As my partner reached me, all we heard were loud screams and shouting from the garden opposite four doors down. It must have jumped their fence, which is much higher fence than mine, and it had bloody vanished and so had the noise. I couldn't see it anywhere out there. This was in Exmouth, on the X estuary Now, there were a few reports of wildcats spotted in Exmouth, and only a year before, I was in my friend's car crossing the woody part of Exmouth when we saw a huge panther. All four of us saw it. We swerved the car to avoid hitting it, and that was bad enough. But this was no cat, and more of a mystery, honestly, as I didn't see the front of it. And I was the only one who saw it. But I did not see its face, thank God. I saw it when I looked out of the half-open bathroom window. It was down on the floor at the side of the car on my driveway. And it just looked like a frantic creature. Its hair looked quite long and I could see the squish of black and silver colours within it. When my partner came into the bathroom, it just sort of ran, galloped in neither a feline or canine sort of way. It had a movement all of its own. I was mesmerised trying to work out what the hell it was. 
only saw it for a second. I just still do not know what I saw. I only saw it spinning almost frantically by the car, but then it just kind of galloped away. I think that's what scared me the most. Because I heard the screams and the shouting as my partner looked out to see it, but by the time he did, it had jumped. I sort of feel like I've gotten a weight off my mind by sharing it with you and getting it out of my head. <clears throat> the Invisible Ones. One man's experience with an unseen predator, 1997. I was chatting with a gentleman named Nick Hayes and he has a wonderful website called Quest for the Invisibles. And Nick had a very strange experience with something he could hear but that he could not see that was shadowing him as he walked alone at night in the Lye Valley, which is in Oxfordshire. And here's Nick's account in his own words. I was living in the area at the time, and myself and my then partner would often visit the woods at night. We used to go down there all the time, late at night together, and we often saw orbs of light moving above the river, as well as moving through the wooded area. Although we never experienced anything as scary as my experience that evening when I was walking down to Cowley for band practice. It was in 1997 and I'm still trying to come to terms with it to this day. Back then, I was running a bit late for band practice at my mate's house down in Cowley, which is in Oxford. The journey involved getting the bus down to the bottom of Cowley Road and then walking quite a distance to his house, roughly a 40 minute journey. And I would sometimes walk down the nature reserve in the Lyle Valley which was a nice walk during the daytime and I could get to my mate's house in about 25 minutes. It cut the time in half. I saved on the bus fare and I also got a walk in. The walk this night was along a small track that went downhill quite gradually and eventually a steep embankment appears on both sides of you as you walk deeper into the valley. The banks going up each side were quite steep and full of trees and brush. In this particular night, it was already getting dark, but I decided to take the shortcut anyway, as the actual live valley walk is only about 15 or 20 minutes long. And then you can get up onto the golf course and head down to Marsh Road, where my mate lived at the time. I was about 10 minutes into the walk, and it was quite dark. I couldn't see very much as the trees on either side of me at this point are blocking out what little light there was left in the sky. The path is not lit with lights. And I suddenly became aware of something off to my left, about 20 feet away from me, in the trees. It was walking parallel with me, perhaps halfway up the embankment, and it was hidden in there. I instantly got that fear and a complete feeling of dread. I suddenly stopped. And whatever it was, did an extra crunch as it took another step. And then it too stood still. I started walking faster and saw the thing that was stalking me. So I stopped suddenly again, hoping to trick it. And again, this thing did a few more steps, giving its position away. As I think it didn't realise I'd stopped. And as I'd stopped so suddenly trying to catch it out, I think that I did. I picked up the pace and I stopped one more time. And all of a sudden... And this thing did another few steps. And then it snarled. It reminded me of a programme I saw on the Beast of Bray Road and other wolf-dog-like creatures. 
the people had come into contact with in the USA. They'd seen them and they created a snarling sound to go with the reenactment. It sounded just like that recreated sound. It made the hair stand up on my neck and I got an instant fight or flight feeling. As I could tell, it was slightly in front of me and the track it was on met the track I was on just around the corner in the direction I was heading and I had to walk that way to meet the golf course. I could not avoid passing it and it was literally out of the way. There was no one around and I knew that something bad would happen if I carried on walking towards the golf course. I turned around and ran as fast as I could back to Wood Farm and the safety of the built-up area. I didn't see the thing stalking me as it was dark, but even when a few of the street lights above the valley lit up some street, I still couldn't see. But it was definitely sounded bipedal, and the growl it made when it realised I'd worked out it was stalking me was blood-curdling, and it freaked me out big time. More than anything I have ever experienced. I haven't dared to go back there since, and that was about 15 years or more ago. I told a few close mates, but I haven't told anybody else. The whole experience really scared me, and to be quite honest, I wouldn't dare go down there at night by myself at all. Just thinking of it makes me a bit on edge. The body reacts. Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at the Gala 417. Jeff, I need more. I need you to start treating me like the pest control guy treats me. Oh, come on. He listens to me. Ever since he started using Constant Contact, he uses analytics to understand what offers I really want. What does he have that I don't? A well-designed digital marketing platform that makes his small business more effective. Wow, I didn't even know you cared about analytics. Get into a serious business relationship. Constant Contact, all the digital marketing tools you need. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks to the fear of the memory of that night, even after all these years. And it was 2017 when I spoke to Nick um, and took that account. So as you can see, he did stay with him a very long time. And I think he did go back um, in the day with Ben Emlyn Jones um, about 12 months after this account was taken. So if I hear any more from Nick, I will certainly let you know. The Walker's Farm thing, 2000, and this happened in Yorkshire. One night, my friend and I headed out for a walk. It was summer's evening, I had the dog. It was fairly late, so it was getting dark out. We turned down the street, which ran through Walker's Farm. 
with no attention of crossing over onto the remains of the farm, it's derelict and it's gone now. Instead, we followed the trail all the way through, which took us to a very badly lit bike path. Now, the path ran through a wood of pine trees and they were densely planted. And you could see no further than a couple of feet in front of you. My dog, Nyla, was hesitant in walking down this path. She was pulling backwards and whimpering. And she stalled what was no less than a dozen times until she gave in and literally pulled us as fast as she could through the hedges. We could see the exit of the track, thankfully, and as we approached it, we heard a very loud cracking noise above our heads. My friend, Nyla and myself were all startled. Looking up, we saw that the tree top was shaking. And this was not caused by a bird or any other creature. There was no wind and the neighbouring trees were still. We heard another crack, and then another, and we watched as the entire tree shook from top to base, and we heard each branch snap as something fell from above our heads. Eventually, we heard an almighty thud as something hit the ground right next to us, only we saw nothing. Whatever it was, it was not visible to us, but it shot off and we watched the branches move as it ran through them into the darkness. All of this must have only lasted a few moments, and we ran off in another direction as soon as we could move our feet. Months later, a friend and I had gone back to Walker's farm. It was late, it was around midnight, and we were nowhere near the entrance to the farm like last time. But we heard a distinct clanging sound, we could only describe it as metal on metal, as if a blacksmith was hard at work. We were both aware of the sound, but we figured it must have been coming from a distant garden or garage. The closer we came to the farm, the closer it got. So loud, it disrupted our conversation, and we became curious of the noise that was now obviously coming from the farm. We both decided to walk to the top of the hill, and when we reached it, we were sure the noise was coming from inside the hut. We were confused at this point because we'd been previously and visited it in the daylight and there was nothing but old debris scattered around the floor. No lights were coming from it, had no windows and it was hard enough to see it in there in the daylight so we imagined it must have been the epitome of darkness in there now. We decided to go onto the farm and get a little closer, purely driven by curiosity. We must have been 100 yards away from the hut when all of a sudden the noise ceased. We stopped in our tracks and moments later we were both aware of something peering out from one of the tunnels that are on the land there. It was a dark figure but there was enough contrast to set it apart from the darkness of the farm. It was not a man. I do not believe it was even human. The feeling I had was enough for me to be sure. Terrified does not even come close to the feeling. We stood there and we watched as it went back in and came back to peer around the corner at us a number of times. It was bigger than a normal man. It had a shape, but I cannot say that it was a silhouette of a human being. Its head was a very strange shape. In hope of a reply... My friend called out to the dark figure, but that only made things worse. 
another dark figure appeared at the feet of the first. It was peering at us just like the other one. Only this one looked much more animalistic. It was crouched over on all fours. But again, I cannot say for certain that it took the shape of anything that I'd ever seen before. The silhouette made a noise only describable as a snarling, growling, angry noise, but not that a dog would make. At that point, we fled. We were running back to the hill and over it as fast as possible. We reached the streetlights. We looked back towards the hill to see the first figure standing watching us. It never left the grounds, but it followed us along as far as it could go. We saw its head bobbing up and down amidst in the trees. This drove us both to tears. That's how scared we were. To this day, I was adamant that what we saw was real, but I do not know what it was. It has always left me with a feeling I cannot really describe. As insane as it sounds, I've never felt the same after that day. Growls, snarls, shadows and limbs. Millbank Woods, 2018. This witness account came from a gentleman and these are his own words. I was out walking on Sunday the 27th of August 2018. It was around 7pm. I must apologise, I've mixed up two reports. This report was reported to me by a lady. We entered Millbank Woods at Kildale. The pass in the woods part goes through a valley with deep sides that slope upwards and the path is at the bottom of the location, so very similar to the one in the live alley. We walked down the path and then down to the waterfall, and I felt as if I was being watched once I was down by the waterfall. It was a horrible, eerie feeling, and I couldn't shake it off. I walk all over day and night, and this feeling has never happened before. I was with my husband, and we'd wandered around the base of the waterfall for a while, and we gave our dog a drink, and then we just sat down. As we were sitting there, we heard a growl and the sounds of something on the path above us, as if something had walked up above us and was watching, growling at us. My dog also heard the noises on the path and looked up. A large stick came down on us at that point. We brushed it off at first as it's a wood, branches fall, but then something else came down on us and we sat there for a few minutes. I felt very uneasy the whole time, as though whatever it was up there was watching us. My husband also felt the same. We climbed up to the top of the path the same way we come down, and my dog immediately picked up a scent, so I knew something had recently walked up there above us. My dog picks up scent of non-human smells and human smells, and I can tell by his behaviour which is which. I can't describe the eerie feeling of being watched from those trees. I wanted to leave immediately. The feeling was that bad. We continued to walk along the path and we heard another snarl and then a growl from the trees. This was not a dog snarl, nor was it people in the trees playing a prank. This area is very thick, slopes down with trees and bushes and it's very overgrown. The feeling I had was whatever it was, it was following us along the tree line. I told my husband I wanted to leave and go back to the car. He said to ignore it and just carry on. We walked regular day and night all over the moors, the woods, the dales, etc. We never had this feeling before. 
nor heard noises like this. My husband wanted to carry on with the walk, so he was playing it down, really. We walked further into the wood. More sticks came down on us. It wasn't windy or raining. The sticks were dead sticks with no leaves on them, as though they were dead ones that had been picked up from the floor and thrown. Not green sticks broken in the wind. My dog was staring into the trees and no one else was around. It would be hard for any person to keep pace along with us within that tree line. If it was an animal, it doesn't fit their behaviour either. Animals usually run the other way. They don't follow people. Something was following us. I picked up a large broken branch from the path floor, just in case, that's how scared I was. And I said, we need to go back to the car. My husband agreed at that point. And we turned around and retraced our steps back along the path. We both kept looking around and over our shoulders and we heard further growls. The feeling of being watched and followed was overwhelming. We then heard snarling and a growling again. It was keeping pace with us and I could not walk any faster. And whatever it was, it was following us fast through that tree line. We couldn't see anything as the trees and the shrubs were that thick with undergrowth. We got back to where the waterfall was and we heard what I can only describe as a very guttural snarl in this time. It was on the other side of us, over the river, which meant there was either more than one or it doubled back extremely quickly and got across the river before us. It was so damn fast. The river could be paddled across. It wasn't deep. We picked up the pace and the journey to the end of the woods seemed to take forever. The feeling of being watched never went away until we were out of the woods. Once we were out of the woods, it went completely. We then had to walk through a field and down a lane to the car, about 15 minutes. I thought about that incident and questioned it and googled it, trying to find an answer to it. The noises were not human, as in someone playing a silly joke. I have a big dog, and he has big teeth, and only an idiot would consider playing a joke on us. A human could not walk that speed in uneven ground and dense undergrowth, nor double back at speed that fast. We found it hard going on a set path. This thing was in the underbrush, keeping up with us. There's not a wild animal that'd follow people like this. Deer and stags are our largest wild mammals, and male stags make strange noises, I know. But again, they do not follow people. Usually they'll stand if startled, and as quick as they're there, they're gone. I see many stag and deer on my walks. They also don't throw sticks at people. I live in a rural area and I walk these woods day and night in pitch black and never has anything happened like this before. Ironically, after coming home and googling it, I realised it was a full moon that night. Whatever it was, it did not want us in the woods with it and I will not visit that particular area again. I was in the woods the next day but not in that area. And never have I nor my husband experienced anything like this before. It's been on my mind ever since. And I've looked into the area and there are no stories regarding anything in Kildale. Only the bargain stories.
but I have come across an account of similar experience in Deep Gill Woods, which on the map is about 55 minutes away. Ours was an extremely similar experience, but we didn't hear howls, and there were howls involved in the Deep Gill Woods. If you do go to investigate, all I can say is, don't go on your own. The Y Valley Stalker. Back in 1994, I was at a long weekend church camp in a cabin up in the Y Valley. At night, my friend and I, we were 16 and 17 at the time, we were going on a walk and just joking around and we were walking along a path that was slightly above a stream. On the other side of us was a steep hill and it was covered in trees and brambles. And as we were walking, we heard deep, heavy footsteps tromping parallel with us but up on the hill. At first, I just thought it was an echo of our own footsteps, but then I realised we were both wearing training shoes and walking on the smooth tarmac. When we stopped, it stopped, and it wasn't until it stepped on some rotten wood and made a huge cracking noise that we realised there was something very, very heavy up there. But the terrain was so steep, and it was matted with trees and bushes. There was no way a man could walk so steadily across that. Then our hair started standing on edge. It wasn't a threatening feeling, but we knew we were being watched. We just turned and pegged it, but the footsteps didn't follow. My friend later suggested it may have been a deer, but this thing was bipedal, and those footsteps were heavy, despite it walking on soft forest debris. Blackberry Hill, tree limbs thrown. 1969. This report comes in from a gentleman named Terry E. Bridlington and in the UK if you break down there's an agency called the RAC and they come out and they fix the car and Terry actually worked for the RAC as a patrolman. He says I worked in Devon covering quite a large area um, from Exmouth all the way to Sidmouth. This particular day I'd left Sidmouth and I was heading towards Seaton. It's about half past twelve in the afternoon and I wanted to stop and have some sandwiches. And he came across a place called Blackberry Castle Prehistoric Fort. And he drove the van in as far as he could. And then he had to get out of the van and walk in. He said, I saw an expanse of tall, slender bear trees, which were spread quite wide apart. On the far side of these trees appeared to be a drop-off. And it was deathly quiet, with not even a breath of wind. And the trees were just still. And it was just a total grey November sky. He said this gave the place a bit of an eerie feeling. I decided to cross through the trees to see if the fort was at the other side. A small embankment or mound led to the woodland floor and it was covered in dead leaves from the empty branches above. Walking across them, silence was broken as my boots crunched into the foliage. On reaching the other side and after climbing another embankment, I found a field sloping steeply away from me but still no sign of any fort. That silence has returned as I turned to have a look in the woodland, and it was at that moment I realised that the trees were in a sort of oval arrangement, and it dawned on me that there were embankments and mound, and when I'd been looking for a fort, I was actually at an ancient hill fort. I almost wanted to laugh out loud at my stupidity. I'd been looking for a proper fort, but the word I'd forgotten was prehistoric. So I'm standing on a hill fort. A fort from time when men used earth mounds as defences. 
And as I turned to my right, looking towards the other side of the foot, I heard a slight whooshing sound from behind me and then a solid thump. I spun him round in time to see a very thick branch of wood, which was still rolling down from where it had landed, just four or five feet from me. At first, I thought it must have fallen from the tree above. Could it have been kids, maybe? Throwing things? But I couldn't see anyone. My eyes scanned the thin trees, but they were just too slender to hide behind. Whoosh! Thump! Another log hit the ground. And once again, it was close to me. The hairs on my back and my neck stood up, and a shiver went through my body. I was certain if a person had thrown that one, I would have seen them. They would need to be close enough to avoid hitting other trees, which would have meant exposing themselves to me. And these logs were not small. Someone throwing it would make quite some sound, stepping on the leaves carrying that log. But the effort of it to hurl such a hop object could be done silently, I'm not sure. At that moment, I felt real fear. My eyes had penetrated every part of those trees and I was convinced there was no living being present. I decided it was best to leave this place as soon as possible. I started back, crunching across the dead leaves as I left. But after two or three strides, another log hit the ground. I faltered for a second, I looked back, and there was no person in any direction. I picked up my pace, but before I could reach my van, two more logs had missed me by inches. Approaching the vehicle, I fumbled to get the keys from my pocket. Luckily, I hadn't bothered to lock the back door. Uh, lock the door, so I jumped in, and my heart was beating like a hammer. As the engine burst into life, I looked back towards the trees and not a soul was to be seen. But even as I hurriedly moved away, there was a loud bang on the roof of the van, closely followed by another. And as I looked into the wing mirror, I saw a log fall from the van roof. I didn't stop for probably two or three miles, where I met a main road again. I turned off the engine and just sat for a few minutes. I had to try to gather my nerves and my thoughts. Was it for real? Had it really happened? I tried to rationalise everything, going over it slowly in my mind. And at that moment, I needed to prove it to myself. I climbed out. I surveyed the roof of the van. And there before me were two quite distinct dents where logs thrown by unseen hands had landed. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A total of seven logs were thrown at me. While coming close, none actually hit me. So could it have been a ploy to scare me away, maybe? I don't suppose I'll ever know. 
But if that was the purpose, it certainly had the desired effect. Animal snarling and the sounds of heavy breathing. A small railway station called Mousel Coombe Railway Station in the 2000s, two women made a report. They were alone at the station waiting for their train to arrive and they reported hearing animal grunts and snarls coming from around them. And to their sheer terror, they could also feel the breath of an animal close up to their faces, although nothing could be seen. Something encircled them for a number of minutes until their train arrived and they left. And it was said that some locals had voiced concern about using the station after dark for this very reason. This next report comes from Adlington in Surrey. And it's from a witness, um, his initials are CL. Deborah, do Bigfoots hiss? I ask because of a strange experience a friend and I had one night back in 2012. We were eating a Chinese takeaway of all things, watching the stars on Addington Golf Course, which is on the outskirts of South London and borders Kent and the Surrey countryside. So there we were, eating egg foo young from a plastic container, chatting away, enjoying the night. But suddenly we heard this most terrifying hiss. It was the worst noise I've ever heard in all my life. And an image instantly came to mind. You know when a beast bears its teeth and hisses? That's what it reminded me of. But this noise was made by something far bigger and louder than any wild cat. My friend's a bodybuilder and he's huge to say the least. But we both felt an instant fear. We got up and left straight away. Even though I've roamed the woods around here all my life, I've never had a reason to be scared, even on dark noise. But this noise was primal. So I decided to research which animals hiss, and I came across an interesting fact. In the 1970s, it became law in the UK that you needed a licence to possess a big cat, and I presume that's what I was seeing. One night, I was driving next to the same golf course when I saw a panther crossing the road. So I thought that that's what I could have heard, but I'm really unsure. I looked back to that night and that image that came into my head. I didn't think cat when I heard it. I actually thought of something like King Kong or when a gorilla from Planet of the Apes opened their mouths and roared. That's what it sounded like. That's the image I saw in my head when I heard this hiss. Now, it makes me wonder how many people have probably seen or heard the same thing down there next to that golf course. And now we go to Dumfries. This was reported to Charmaine and it's from a staff nurse, um, Carol J. And she related an experience when she was walking in the woods in Dumfriesshire a few years ago. Carol was with her husband a brother and they were on a trip to Kipford Holiday Park near Dalbita when they went out for a walk in the local forest. Carol stated that quite soon after entering the woods she started to become unnerved and paranoid and felt a sense of danger. It was like one of those horror films where people get picked off by wild people living in the woods. I was imagining getting taken out by one of them and I kept thinking there could be people in here following us. We just had to get away. My brother kept wandering off and I kept telling them both to stay close. I was really scared. Carol stated that she even started to plan how to fight someone off if they were attacked. The feeling was that strong. She says it got worse the further in they went and she wanted to go back. 
which eventually they did. Carol lives in the Far Valley and she says she can go walking in her local woods and it doesn't bother her at all. And she's not had that experience in the woods before. She recently went on a trip to Aberfeldy with her husband and said, We saw the woodland walks there, but there was no way I was going in there. I kept thinking about what had happened at Dalbita, as that area felt exactly the same way. Carol says this experience has ruined walking in the woods for her. She couldn't give a reason why she'd started to feel like that. She just said she had an inexplicable feeling of dread and danger. She just keep an open mind about paranormal phenomena. She knows nothing of wildmen or dogmen. She didn't know about this happening to other people in the woods until we actually spoke. What's interesting is her mention of feeling this when faced with going into the woods of Aberfelder. Weanwoods has a history of invoking those exact same feelings in walkers. Looking at the map, the description she gave me of where their woods were puts the location of Forest of Kitford. I've known and worked with Carol for about four years, as Charmaine, and when listening to her account, I could see how it had affected her. The conversation was initially about hiking when she came out with the story. I asked her to let me know any more details. Charmaine. Now, Witchling Wood, in 2012, is, was visited by a group of paranormal researchers. Witchling Wood's in Kent, and it's known for very weird and strange things that happen there. And the group said every time that they'd been in the, the woods, or things had happened, either to guests or to each of them one by one, or whether they were in mass. So they wanted to go again, tempting fate. They went on Friday the 13th in 2012. And they said our first session was in a familiar part of the woods. And this area has, in the past has been very productive. We've had many paranormal experiences here. This evening was no different. We started by just calling out for spirits to step forward. And whilst this was going on, one guest who's been on various ghost hunts many times exclaimed that he'd just heard a footstep behind him. No one else heard it. And we continued, strange whistles were heard, sometimes in response to our own whistles. Then out of the blue, we all heard footsteps approaching from deeper in the woods, which given the nature of these woods, it's very thick with trees, seemed very unlikely, especially since there was no torchlight, and the sound of these footsteps only lasted for about 30 seconds. From this point on, many of the guests were feeling frightened and on edge and the smallest amount of noise had made everybody jumpy, so we just left. Other paranormal teams who were visited have also reported feeling watched. They've heard running footsteps, seeing quick-moving shadows within the trees. One group stated on many occasions when they used a drum, they sent others crawling through the brush to listen to the drumming. Twigs and branches can also be heard snapping and they follow you around the area. Now, Lockhart is a very strange place, um, out-of-body voices and strange creatures, and it's also known for feelings of being watched. Um, one gentleman wrote in one of the mountaineering magazines, I was camping on the southern end of Lockhart a few years ago, and it wasn't by choice. We've been forced there by wind, rain and bad weather, and campsites were scarce. And to be honest, we were exhausted and to the point where I was starting to get worried about my girlfriend. She was cold and she was slurring her speech, etc. I wanted to get her warmed up as quickly as I could. After a lot of looking around, we settled for a small clearing in amongst some trees a few metres from the shore. 
There was enough room for a fire and a tarp plus a tent. I put up the tent, stuffed her in a sleeping bag and we went off to get firewood to make some hot food and tea. I had a strange feeling of vulnerability come over me while I was collecting wood and cutting it. I kept stopping what I was doing and looking around. I had a feeling that somebody was about to walk up on me. I wasn't scared, but I just felt like something like that was about to happen. I was kind of expecting a gamekeeper or someone to come up and talk to me. Or maybe another person out hiking. Anyway, it was cold and wet and the going was slow. Eventually, my girlfriend came out to find me and sit with me while I was splitting mud. She admitted she started to feel uneasy on her own back at the tent. I didn't tell her about feeling watched as I didn't really want to spook her anymore. We went back together, resumed our camp routine and set up early for the night. I got the fire going. Fed us both, made hot drinks, and we settled down and tried to get some sleep. That night, I had to get up in the middle of the night to take care of some business. I walked across the clearing, and I went behind a holly bush. And when I was there, I got the most intense feeling of danger I've ever felt. It was like I'd walked somewhere I should not have gone. That night, it was very dark, and I accept that the dark has an effect on our brains. I felt an immediate an urgent need to get away from that spot right away. So I cut short the business I was taking care of and pretty quickly walked back to the tent where I stopped. I just sat outside for a while to see what I could see and hear. Nothing much happened that night. Other than that, it was a good little camp. It was free. So for the next few nights, we stayed in the same spot. It was okay within the camp area. But I got the same feeling of being observed whenever I went near that holly bush. It was not until we left that site that I realised the effect it had on both of our moods. Within minutes of leaving, we both felt uplifted, happy and realised there had been something wrong back there. The story does not really translate that well into text, I feel. But I know but I'm hoping that it might trigger other people's memories. You might get some more stories of the scary and unexplainable things that happen up there at the log. What a horrible night, June 2020. A gentleman shared his comments in a local Hidden Sussex and Suffolk Facebook group. He reported a strange night at the old tree in Clapham Woods. And he stated he felt uneasy, he felt watched throughout and he had a strange series of events happen. Whilst out at Clapham Woods, he heard knocking noises coming from the trees. He heard heavy footsteps moving around him and he felt watched. Also, the temperature seemed to rise and it got very quiet at times. In his own words, he stated, I am not a believer in the supernatural, but I have never experienced a night like this. There was bizarre energy in the air. The horses were acted up and were very spooked. There were massive changes in temperature and dozens of noises, including some incredibly huge bangs. Now, a BBR member who lives very close to the area said there is often drumming heard around the tree, and it's said to be a local place for Satan worshippers. Also reported are evil entities, UFOs, branches that are bent into satanic shapes, disappearances and crazy behaviour of dogs. New Mills, Unseen Predator in the Woods. Hi, my name's Martin, and I experienced something really weird when I was a kid. I wanted to report it and to see if anyone else has ever experienced the same thing. 
my family are a traveller family and in my young days we would move from areas to areas we needed to. At one point we moved from a farm in Blackrod, which is near to Charlie in Lancashire. We lodged on that farm for a long time while we stayed in one of the caravans. But there came a time when the farmer decided to sell up and move on and he bought a farm in Scotland and we decided to move with him. It was a long move and as we had to travel out of England and into Scotland and that seemed a really long way when I was a kid. The area we moved to was called New Mills and it was in Kilmarnock. It was very remote and we were situated about 10 miles from the nearest town. Sometimes in winter we had to literally use a tractor to get food from the nearest village and back because the snow would get that deep. The farm was absolutely huge from my recollection. Around 200,000 acres surrounded by dense forests and not far from us were the moors, rivers and streams. No people around except for us. As a 10-year-old lad, my dad used to send me out hunting with a twenty-two rifle to catch and kill rabbits and pheasants and small birds for the ferrets we get. And also collecting wood for the log burners in the caravans was another of my responsibilities, so I was often out on my own in the woods and fields. I have heard some really freaky stuff out in those woods, and I've seen a lot of dead animal carcasses that looked out of place even to me, being used to the countryside and the way animals take and kill prey. I didn't recognise the animal responsible for those kills. When I think back, and with what I know now, I can say there was a lot of UFO activity in the area. We all saw strange lights in the sky at night, all the time. So often, as young children, it just became the norm. As I said, I was only young, and only now as I'm older and have access to the internet, I started to put two and two together, so to speak. What sticks out most in my memory is one day in particular. I was out hunting, as usual, about a mile away from where we were camped. I was moving quietly, keeping my eyes open, and trying not to disturb any birds until I wanted to. I was, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, as I was walking along, I had an overwhelming sense that someone or something was watching me. I realised everything around me went dead quiet. No bird song. No wind in the trees. Nothing. Just dead silence. That was very unnerving. I was overwhelmed by fear. I was looking all around me trying to make out someone hiding in the shrub. Make out a movement, a sound that had given them away. It wasn't the middle of the night and dark. It was daytime, and the light shimmering through the trees can play tricks on a human mind. And as I was looking, I thought I saw something moving in there. But it was so dense in those pine trees, I just realised they could be anywhere. So I set off running. Whatever was in there followed me out of those woods. I could hear it crashing and banging behind me. But every time I looked back, I couldn't see it. I ran really fast as a kid. I was quite proud of that fact. Nobody could catch me at running back then. But whatever it was, it was keeping up with me and I think it was catching up to me as well. I heard branches and twigs snapping behind me but at that point I'd stopped looking because I knew it was hot on my heels. I hear all these missing 411 cases now and that runs through my mind. I could have been on that list if I had not outrun it. Martin. 
the Helmshaw Heavy Walker, a homeless man disturbed in the night, autumn of 2016, and the witness's name is Alan. Now, there comes a time for all of us when life seems to just turn bad, and it can even sometimes make you homeless. And as I said, this account comes from a witness called Alan. He left the forces, split up with his missus, and he was on his own, and he had nowhere to go. He had two dogs and a tent, so he just made himself a, a little bit of a home there at the side of the stream. He set up his camp, set up his tent as best as he could, and just settled in. He was in for a few nights, he said everything was fine. He said, I'm just off the river, I didn't see anyone, and I figured it'd be okay there, until the weather turned really bad. It wasn't such a bad place to be after all, until all that changed, he said. He did have work at a local market and he just needed time to get himself together. He'd left the army and he didn't want to be in the homeless hostels that town had to offer. He said it wasn't very good for his mental health. Now, he did state that he never saw what bothered him, but it bothered him night after night. He said it made him feel watched day after day. He said, what made those tree knocks and trees and snap branches and launched them into my camp area? He was never brave enough to go and look, he said, for as he described it, it seemed to be walking in such a way as to make me aware that it was there. It was not using stealth. It was thumping loud feet in the leaves, rustling that was louder than any small animal could make. Things moved when I was away from camp, he said, and it was clear that something had been through my things. Nothing was missing, and a few times I could feel eyes on me as I zipped up from the night. But around 1am, something would come into camp. It would always approach from the southeast. Whatever was moving was walking around like it was on two feet. It wasn't scurrying like an animal would. And although described with a similar bulkiness of a cow, this thing was much heavier and sounded much larger, but never came within eyesight. Whatever it was, it stayed within the trees, he said. His two dogs never made a sound when it was around and they were Staffordshire Bull Terriers and they were quite capable of looking after themselves. They didn't want to leave the tent until Alan did each morning. That's really strange for dogs. After too many nights like this, over about a month or so, Alan said he used to choose the excuse to winter and headed into Rossendale and just look for shelter there. I just think it's a really sad story, to be honest. Um, he said, if I thought it was a person, I would have just moved them on. But what I heard was no person. His closing reply was, there's something huge moving around in them trees up there. And I'm just glad I didn't see it. Starcross, Babacoom, screeches, wood cracks and rocks thrown. I was out last summer, which would be August 2019. I had a strange experience and I walked from Starcross to Babacoom. I think we were near the White Sands Bay, just before going into the woods. And we sat just outside the trees on a bench having a rest. We were following the southwest coastal path and it was a lovely day. You could hear the birds, seagulls and buzzards and regular coastal noises. Then I heard quite a deep screech that came from a way off behind us in the woods. I couldn't identify but it was making a screeching sound. It was nothing like I'd heard before. Now, I'm used to the normal animal noises like foxes and badgers and birds, etc. I just ignored it, as I don't know what every animal sounds like, of course. I'm not 100% sure, but after some searching on Google Maps, I think it might have been Watkin Woods. 
We carried on and walked into the woods and within ten minutes or so, I heard a loud crack. Like a quite sizable branch had been broken, definitely not a twig, we both heard a very loud crack. The wood was pretty quiet and it was just a rustle of leaves and twigs crunching as we walked. We'd probably gone another five or ten minutes when I heard a large object hit the ground just behind me. I didn't see it, but from the sound, it must have been a tennis ball-sized rock. By now, I was scanning the thick wood to our right, as this was where the crack and the rock had come from. My wife hadn't told me, but she said afterwards that she saw a stick fly past us at about that point. I didn't see this as I was watching the woods with a feeling that we may not be alone. We sat at another bench for a drink of water, and while we were there, something hit the branches above us, and a leaf floated down right in front of us. And I think we joked about the green man throwing things at us, and just carried on, and the noises faded. And now to our last experience. A hand pushed under my tent. Deb, I only contacted you after much toing and froing, as I'm a wild camper and quite well known in some circles. You didn't call it wild camping back when I was a boy. It was just a night off the farm in those days. My family ran a cattle farm and it was long hours and you didn't get paid much, so I was always skint. We always had food and plenty to bat with, but ready cash was always in short supply. In the countryside, people want their own food still. And back then, it was more prevalent. Pigeon, duck, rabbit, hare was a welcome catch. Now it's frowned upon by some, but I was brought up alongside nature. And one day I'm going to return to it. I'm part of it. It's just a circle. I would go off with my brothers and my friends from around the area. And we'd head up to the peaks or down around the reservoir where there were always animal sign, and the stream was well stocked, so we never went hungry. Some of the lads had tailed off and stopped coming altogether. Some I still see for the odd pint now and then. But sleeping wild never left me. It's my one place I feel like I'm me. It frees me. I have to use it as food for the soul. I'm known as a primitive toolmaker, and I usually show people how to camp in a primitive way, without the use of modern tools. But sometimes, even I like a few home comforts. In 2014, I was suffering with a chest infection. I'd been cooped up at home. And it was autumn, but the weather was warm enough to get in one more camp before winter. I could test and clean out my camping supplies and pack my light gear away till one arm a month next year. The fresh air would do my chest the world of good. So I set off for one of my more sedentary spots. It's set within an orchard not too far from the farm with easy parking and access from the road. The farmer's a decent guy. He always has a wander over and a chinwag when I pop in. We went to school together, and as most families here will attest, we all know each other by one relative or another. I'm not going to tell you the areas. I don't want it spoiled in any way. And after what happened, I'm not too sure people should be heading that way either. I set my gear, and with this cold, this bad, I had a full kit. A sleeping pack, tarp and a tent. I got the fire going and brew on and the farmer wandered over for a chat. He asked me if I'd seen any strange cars or vehicles on my way in. And it was around 7am and I'd arrived about 6.15 and I told him no, I'd not passed any people or vehicles, nothing. 
He went on to explain that for a few weeks now a number of chickens, eggs and feed had been taken and he thought it was some wandering tramp or travellers or one of the farmhands who brought in by the picking teams who'd felt the need to steal from him. If not, he would suggest a dog or a cat of some kind, but his barley and wheat bins had been raided, which would be very hard on your average dog or cat. And with so many protein sources available, why would they take feed? I told him I'd be there for about 30 hours or so, as I had a job to do on following Wednesday. So I'd keep my eye out for him, as long as he didn't mind me staying in the orchard. As my tent was tucked under the trees and with the grass so high, they may not see me hidden in there. And I said if I heard anything, I'd start blowing my whistle loudly and alert him. So we agreed on a plan and just left it at that. I have a bobbin rod with me, so that day was spent foraging and catching dinner and sorting out the evening meal. I had an odd snooze and a wander along the river. And it was a good day and everything I'd needed, I was feeling much better. I had a small rocket stove with me and I made a cup of tea as dusk arrived. It wasn't too cold either and I went to bed with a good sleepy head on me. All thought of this morning's agreement completely forgotten. I must have nodded off quick as I awoke with a start. I had no idea of the time, but it was much darker outside and the moon was out so I could see shadows of trees and bushes. I listened, trying to work out what woke me up, but I heard nothing. I realised I need to pee, and maybe that's what had woken me up, so I unzipped the tent, out, nipped over to the nearest apple tree, had my torch on my head, switched it on without thinking, as I was worried about peeing on my boots. I looked down at my aim when this feeling hit me all at once. Utter dread. I felt like I was suddenly in the middle of a war, and I couldn't see the enemy. I knew they were there watching and they could see my every move, but I couldn't see them. Hundreds of eyes watching me from within the trees. I looked up quickly, and I saw eyeshine. This eyeshine dropped to the floor and vanished. It, whatever it was, must have dropped to its belly in a millisecond. I was back in that tent like lightning, and was stuck between staying and packing up, when I remembered the farmer and that I was supposed to be acting as a night watchman, not quivering in my sleeping bag. I made myself calm down. I lay there, caught my breath, slowed my breathing right down, and made a decision to listen. If I heard anything, I'd blow the whistle loud. Thankfully, nothing happened. I lay there for what felt like an eternity in silence. I slowly slid my hand into my kit bag. I got hold of the whistle just in case. And as the minutes ticked by, I started to feel stupid. I had heard the odd rustle of grass, but that could be any animal or bird known to man. I didn't hear anything else for a long time, so I just decided to try and go to sleep. As I was drifting back off, suddenly, from nowhere, that feeling was back. I felt frozen and scared out of my wits. I then felt movement to the side of my hip. And to my horror... I felt something forcibly pushed under the tarp, under my tent and under me. It felt like a huge arm that was thickly muscled and hard beneath me and I screamed like a banshee. The arm shot out from under me and I kept screaming until the farmer nearly caused his own death by opening my tent. I screamed in his face like a man possessed. When he calmed me down and I explained what had happened, 
I don't think he believed me. I saw his quick glance at the miniature rum bottle beside me, but I'd filled it with linctures for my chest, and now it looked suspiciously like slow gin. I'd awoken him, and he'd come running in the hopes of solving his chicken thief mystery. I excused myself, I lit all my torches and lights, and I packed up as fast as I have ever packed up a tent. I was camping close to Scarfell once, when the bad winds happened in, I think it was 88, and that was terrifying. But this was nothing like I could explain. How on earth can an arm that thick and full of muscle not only pick me up like I weighed nothing, but also get right up to me without me hearing a thing? I think there are hundreds of encounters just like these out there unvoiced. Many get reported to paranormal groups, to camping and hiking forums. People in tents and campers or hikers who feel something unseen around them. It's something I take note of. No matter what we're dealing with, be it flesh and blood or dimensional, our bodies can pick up on it. It's why we feel watched and followed. More often than not, it means that you are. Our animal senses, primal senses, are picking up on a threat. A bell rings deep in your early consciousness and we become alert and aware of hidden danger. Your senses intensify, you hear better, you see better, you smell better and your brain notices things that you don't notice and it puts them all together and it gives you that feeling to move you away from an area. Generations of families have told children their experience and warned, don't go too far in the woods because this happened. Don't go too far in the woods because that happened. But as we've heard tonight, some people experience this stalking whilst at home and sometimes right on the back step. Many of the witnesses still struggle with the incident to this day and I'm often asked why I don't interview and tape them while they talk about their encounter. And the simple answer is... I never asked them. I feel that's something they would like me to do. They'd probably approach me about it. I want them to relax and feel comfortable enough to speak to me. I don't want to scare anyone off. Now, maybe that's very lax of me in some eyes. So in future, I will offer that option to people. If I've shared your encounter before and you'd like to join me and record what happened, then I am more than happy to set that up for you. But rest assured, you will always be able to make a report here at BBR. In the utmost confidence, your identity will remain anonymous, if that's your wish. So I hope you enjoyed tonight's upload. And whether you're listening on Spreaker, iTunes or YouTube, why don't you pop across to my Patreon, Facebook and website and catch up on some of our exclusive content and some evidence files. Please give this an upload, a like or a share. Until next time, everyone. Good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.